Ronaldo. Oh, genius. Absolute genius. Would you believe it? And it's a hat-trick for Cristiano Ronaldo. What a night in Sochi. Portugal 3, Spain 3. Hello and welcome to 52 Years A World Cup Podcast. I'm Richard Carey. This is episode 2. Coming up on today's show, we'll be recapping the first eight games of the World Cup, which include Russia versus Saudi Arabia, Egypt versus Uruguay, Morocco versus Iran, Portugal versus Spain, France versus Australia, Argentina versus Iceland, Peru versus Denmark, and Croatia versus Nigeria. That's a lot of games, and that's just in three, three days. We had a whopper day yesterday, a four-game day, the only four-game day in the tournament was yesterday. We had matches at 11 a.m., uh, 2 p.m., 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. GMT. And I basically spent the day at my television just watching it and then also playing FIFA in between the gaps, which was kind of this sort of mega football day. So there you go. Before we get to the matches, here's the World Cup news. World Cup news. So Cristiano Ronaldo was charged with tax fraud. He's accepted a two-year suspended prison sentence and was ordered to pay £16.5 million uh, in a fine. That didn't stop him from scoring a hat-trick against Spain, though, on Friday night in that free-free draw. Uh, Mo Salah was cleared for Egypt's uh, squad in their first game against Uruguay, but stayed on the bench for the entire match. Uruguay ended up getting a 89th-minute goal to get a 1-0 win, and the sort of justification about that has been to do with the most important games are the next two for Egypt, so Salah's being saved for them. The Spain manager, Julian Lepecci, was sacked uh, one day before the World Cup because he took the Real Madrid job without informing the Spanish Football Federation first. They basically had an argument between him and uh, the president uh, of the uh, Spanish Football Federation and Fernando Herrero was named as his replacement for the World Cup and took charge of their first game against Portugal. And the hosts of the World Cup 2026 have been decided. It's going to be in the USA, Canada and Mexico. They'd be a rival bid from Morocco to host the tournament. The three nations will jointly host the competition, and but automatic qualification is not guaranteed for all three of them. The World Cup will be hosted in cities including Montreal, Toronto, Seattle, San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York slash New Jersey, probably means New Jersey, but they want to say New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Dallas, Orlando, Miami, Mexico City, and Guadalajara. That's a lot of land to clear, but that sounds like a very exciting competition. I'm already sort of penciling that in, saying I haven't been to a World Cup yet. 2026 sounds really good. I I don't fancy Qatar. Russia was always going to be a bit controversial. But 2026, USA, Canada, Mexico, yeah. Finally, Nigeria were banned uh, from taking chickens into into World Cup stadiums. Uh, Nigerian fans usually bring in live chickens painted in green as like a symbol or good luck charm. But Russian officials have told Nigerians that they might be able to bring them into other venues, as in not in the stadiums themselves. They're they're taking eccentric requests, they said. And that was the World Cup news. We had to 
catch up quite a bit there. I, I managed to record the first podcast on Tuesday night and I sort of missed all the news on Wednesday about the World Cup and the Spain manager. So I thought I'd recap it there. I'm sure you probably know that. Time for the classified results of the World Cup so far. On Thursday the 14th of June, Russia 5, Saudi Arabia 0. Friday 15th of June, Egypt 0, Uruguay 1, Morocco 0, Iran 1, Portugal 3, Spain 3. And on Saturday 16th of June, France 2, Australia 1, Argentina 1, Iceland 1, Peru 0, Denmark 1, Croatia 2, Nigeria 0. Uh, so that was the scores from the first eight games in the competition. Shall we get to them? First off, we're going to look at Argentina versus Iceland and here on the stats. Possession. 78% to Argentina, 22% to Iceland. Shots. 27 to Argentina, 8 to Iceland. Shots on target, 7 Argentina, 2 Croatia. And obviously the score was Argentina 1, Croatia 1. In the 19th minute, there was a goal from Aguero. It was a belter of a left foot shot from the centre of the box to make it 1-0 to Argentina. On the 23rd minute, just four minutes later, Figbolsen uh, right-footed right it into the net and equalised for Iceland to make it 1-1. On the 64th minute, there was a penalty to Argentina after Meza was fouled in the box. Lionel Messi took it, and it was a really poor penalty, a nice height for Hal Dawson to save. He had a real blinder in this one, and it ended 1-1. Argentina were pretty poor in this match, I would have to say. Messi looked pretty damn desperate to be really good here, and I think there's almost too much pressure on you know the Argentine star, and actually, I sort of wonder whether Argentina would be better leaving him out that sounds so controversial it's Lionel Messi you know, one of the best players in the world I wouldn't say the best but I think Ronaldo is better than him Argentina have got a lot of options in attack they've got Higuain they've got Aguero they could probably not play Messi against the likes of um, you know who they've got in Nigeria and see what happens Iceland proved their tenacity and just like they did two years ago in France the Euros obviously classically beat England 2-1 uh, had that match against France where they kind of capitulated in the first half hour, and if they didn't, they probably would have drawn that game. Uh, they play a very old style of football. Some, I think they were saying on commentary, it's like 80s English football. I'd call it Sam Allardyce football, you know, sort of long, sort of physical game. And it worked, you know, and it's worked really well for them. How Dawson pulled out some great saves for, for them. I'm surprised he's not on the radar. He might become on the radars of some big clubs, I don't know. The thing about Iceland is it shows you how much... The game is about a team performance as opposed to an individual performance. Like Argentina have got Lionel Messi, but it doesn't matter when you've got a team that can play that well together. And, you know, they've got a hell of a chance to qualify out of this group now. I mean, it's going to be down to that Croatia game. It's going to be very important for Iceland. And we'll see what happens by then. I mean, who knows? On to our second game, which was also in Group D. Uh, this was Croatia versus Nigeria. The stats for this one. Well, sit, children. Let me give you the subject of the day. Possession. 55% Croatia, 45% Nigeria. Shots. 12 to Croatia, 14 to Nigeria. Shots on target. Croatia 2, Nigeria 2. On the 32nd minute, a corner was swung in. It was nodded towards Mario Mandzukic, 
whose header was going wide, but it deflected off Itobo and into the net to make it 1-0 from an own goal to Croatia. This is a new scam. Get ready. On the 71st minute, there was a penalty to Croatia. There was a hell of a lot of penalties on this Saturday. Uh, Trust Ikon uh, pulled down Mandzukic and Luka Modric slotted the ball into the left-hand corner to make it 2-0 Croatia. That one didn't even have to go to the VAR, and we'll talk about the VAR in a little bit. End of 2-0. Um, Croatia didn't play particularly well in this one, um, but they did enough, and sometimes that's all you need. And uh, after the match on ITV, you might have heard Slavin Bits saying, you know, it's not actually a good thing to play really well in the first game, and no one's really impressed, and he's he's very right, you know. When you look at the teams who have won tournaments, I mean, perfect example is Spain in 2010. They lost their first game to Switzerland and ended up winning the whole thing. And I think that's a good example of you don't have to start well in order to win. It's actually, it's better to get gradually better. So the same with Portugal, really, the Euro, Euro 2016. They were rubbish. They scraped through and then they, did re- and they progressively did better as the knockout rounds went through. So actually, it's better not to be... And Croatia have a problem, usually. They usually peak too early, so they always have a really good, like... Well, not always, but sometimes they have a really good group stage match, and then they can't follow it up. And then they go out the next... And they go out in the second round, and that's it. Which is what happened at the Euros. They beat Spain in the group stages, and they went out immediately in the second round. So I think for them, you know, it's probably a better thing to win dirty or win without playing you know total football or whatever um nigeria looked really lackluster didn't have an awful lot very ineffective they need to prove improve dramatically if they want to get anywhere above smack damn bottom of this group of death that is group d crazy will be happy with the win puts them at the top of group d on the first game always very Nice to be at the top from the start. Makes it easier for the next two games. You only have to pick up two points or so. So it's it's looking good for them. Now, before we move on to Group C and talk about France versus Australia, it's time for the VAR Watch. So they were doing so well with the video assistant referee in this tournament up to, up to the first two days. I mean, there was a brilliant example of it in the in the Portugal versus Spain game, where it was used very subtly and the play wasn't stopped at all. But then came Saturday morning and France versus Australia. A penalty decision was given to France, which took ages to deliberate over and really shouldn't have been a penalty and definitely wasn't clear cut, but it was given from the VAR and also from the referee watching the replay, which I don't get, why, why is there a VAR and then the referee has to watch it anyway? It just seems weird. There was also a Peru penalty. Later in the day, when Peru were playing Denmark, they were awarded a penalty by the VAR, but this was a fair decision because the referee had missed it. The, the VAR replayed, and it was quite clear that it was a foul in the penalty area um, by Paulson, and the penalty was given. It wasn't tucked away by Peru, so that's on them. But, you know, we've had a mixed bag, really, of VAR. We've had... I can see it's getting better. It's definitely nowhere near as bad as it was one year ago when they... I think they brought it in at the Confederations Cup in, in Russia. So now they've tweaked it and actually they're getting there and you can see how it could work in games, you know. But what was interesting actually about the France game, although it was a controversial decision, it actually livened the game up so much because 
it was kind of dead before that, and it sort of the VAR actually helped the game, which is an interesting thing to think about that VAR could actually improve a game as opposed to ruin it. So there you go, that was a VAR watch, and let's talk about France versus Australia. The stats for this one: possession, fifty-five percent France, forty-five percent Australia. Shots, thirteen to France, six to Australia. Shots on target was France six, Australia one. As I mentioned before, on 58 minute, there was a VAR penalty. Uh, Griezmann was found in the box. Uh, the penalty was converted by Griezmann into the bottom right-hand corner to make it 1-0 to France. Very controversial, that. Then on the 61st minute, there was another penalty, this time to Australia. Samuel Antiti, with deliberate handball, actually did go to the VAR this one, but they looked at it very quickly and could see that it was a, quite a deliberate handball. He had his hand right up in the air, hit him on the hand. And Jedinek scored the penalty to make it 1-1. That was so deserved for Australia. On the 80th minute, Paul Pogba's shot hit the crossbar and it bounced down. And with goal line technology, it ruled that the ball was over the line. And on the replays, you could see it was over the line. So it was 2-1 to France. Talk about being jammy. Technology helped France out tenfold in this match. They were rubbish. The Aussies were great, actually. Um, they're really unlucky to not come up with this game with any points. You know, that France, the first France goal shouldn't have counted. It wasn't a penalty, in my opinion. France have to get an awful lot better to have a chance of winning this because they look really bad today. And uh, I think they're going to, you know, I mean, got, they haven't got the hardest group ever, but I can see them struggling in the knockout stage. I felt, felt like Australia, like I said, they did play really well, but they were flagging in the last sort of 15 minutes. And maybe that's their weakness, you know, it's, it's, it is a long game, I guess. They keep talking about the heat, but it's Aus- they're Australian, so I don't think they should be worried too much about the heat. If they had a draw, they would have had a really good chance of getting out of this group, but they still have a, a decent chance now. You know, I think they, they deserve something, but the Aussies do have a sort of habit of getting absolutely screwed at the World Cup. <laughs> so we'll see what happens uh, next. But yeah, I mean, France were horrible. Like, they, they, they were not good at all. Yeah, a bit of luck, a bit of technology on the side of the French. The other game in Group C was Peru versus Denmark. Yeah, the stats of possession was 53% Peru, 47% Denmark. Shots 17 to Peru, 10 to Denmark. Shots on target 6 to Peru and 3 to Denmark. On the 44th minute, Peru got a penalty following a VAR review. The referee didn't give it initially, but the VAR was right to overturn it, like I said before. The penalty was missed. It was blasted way over the bar by Christian Kreva. That was even worse than Lionel Messi's earlier in the day. Yeah, it was still nil-nil. On the 59th minute, Yusuf Poulsen uh, had a left-foot shot for Denmark and it went under the keeper to make it 1-0. And Poulsen was actually the one who gave away the penalty earlier. So, redeemed himself, although he didn't really need to because the penalty didn't go in. But, hey. And it ended 1-0 to Denmark. Um, uh, Peru absolutely peppered the Denmark goal, it could not score. They tried everything, there was back heels, there was a penalty, there was all these shots, there was a great save by Kasper Schmeichel to deny them. They were just going, do, 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 and nothing would go in. They could have had five. They could have easily had five. This could have been 5-1 to Peru, but no, they couldn't score. And that is going to screw them. I think they're done for. If they can't find their shooting boots, they're done for. Like I, I actually thought Peru might get through this group but now I'm like oh probably not now I think the Danish are probably in the strongest position even though they didn't really deserve to win this but hey you know 
they defended well enough and you know got to give credit to the likes of Casper Schmeichel for putting out some decent saves. It's a weird one, but this is how it happens in football sometimes. You didn't have to play well to win, you just have to win. And that was all Saturday's games and it, it was a hell of a footballing day and you know we had some really good games there. Um, I think there was too many penalties in a way, but I guess that's, how, that's what's going to happen with VAR. You know? There's always an incident in one game where that could be a penalty when you look at it. But in a lot of sort of football over the years, they haven't been given simply because they haven't the referee hasn't seen it. But now it's, the referee has another option, so they can go to you know, technology to see if it is a penalty. So five penalties in one day. Uh, which is almost the record. The record's actually six penalties in one day at a World Cup. That was in France 98. So, it's... So, yeah, like I say, it was a really entertaining sort of day of football. But the most entertaining game of the first round so far was on Friday night. And it was Spain versus Portugal. The Iberian derby, it was the one we sort of circled in, in our wall charts before the tournament even started. I thought it was going to be a bit dull, but it definitely wasn't, and thank goodness. Here are the stats for that match. Possession. Portugal, 33%. Spain, 67%. No surprise there. Shots. Portugal, 9. Spain, 13. Shots on target. Portugal, 3. Spain, 6. This was really back and forth. There was a hot start as Ronaldo got a penalty after being tripped up by Nacho at the edge of the area. Ronaldo tucked his penalty in to make it 1-0 Portugal. Diego Costa controlled the ball really well to equalise for Spain. He might have elbowed Pepe in the process of getting that goal. That was a little bit, you know, the VAR actually had a look at it and didn't give it because it wasn't clear cut. And uh, that was 1-1. But I I thought the, the touch and the skill of Diego Costa to keep it and then have that right footed shot was brilliant. On the 44th minute, there was a horrific mistake by David De Gea, a very rare mistake for the best keeper in the world. After a left foot shot from Ronaldo, slipped out of his hands and it went in the back of the net, 2-1 Portugal. I was just thinking that maybe, you know, I had the sort of thought that De Gea could have an absolute flop at this World Cup and he did, and, you know. I guess he's never been as good for Spain as he has been for Man United, so what can you say? On the 55th minute, there was a free kick, a header on by Sergio Busquets, and Diego Costa tucked it away with an easy chance to make it all square again. 2-2, what a game. 58th minute, a Nacho Belta from the edge of the area flew into the bottom right-hand corner, and Spain took the lead for the first time in the game to make it 3-2. What a comeback from the Spanish. That must have been a hell of a half-time team talk from Herrero. To be honest, it looked like it was going to stay that way, until PK gave away a foul at the edge of the area. And on the 88th minute, a beautiful Ronaldo free kick curled over the wall into the top right corner of the net to equalise yet again. 3-3 Ronaldo with his hat-trick. Whenever I see a Ronaldo free kick, I think two things. Either this is going to go in the net or it's going to go into Rosette. And I was thinking it was a Rosette, and it definitely wasn't. It was in, so fair play to him. And he's he's got a hat-trick. Looking very likely to get the golden boot now. You know, three, three goals on the first game. You can't get much better than that. This was a fantastic game. The game of the tournament so far. Easily. I thought it would be kind of cagey. I thought it was going to be a 1-0 Spain job. But it definitely wasn't. Portugal looked like they are so underrated in this tournament. Like what was up with the 20-something odds? 20, I think it's 26-1 to 1 odds. 
ridiculous by the bookies because I think you know Portugal have all the tools to win this tournament. You know they're always jammy. They have Cristiano Ronaldo, the best player in the world, and they actually look better as a team, really, than they have in past tournaments when they've just been sort of Ronaldo and ten other people. Now it seems like, although it's still Ronaldo and ten other people, there's better quality in that side. Spain have some work to do. I mean, they did have a sloppy start, uh, but they were so much more entertaining to watch than they were like eight years ago when they won the World Cup. So I'd rather watch the Spain side then watch that any day. I can't see them having too much trouble getting out of this group. It's just going to be a case of where they finish and how that impacts who they face next. Because group, obviously we don't really know how group uh, A is going to end. I mean, that's kind of an easy-ish group. So maybe it doesn't matter so much if you finish first or second in group B. Uh, De Gea will be ruining that uh, mistake he made. Well, he sort of got away with it in the fact it was a draw and Nacho gave away the penalty and redeemed himself for his earlier foul with a goal. Uh, both teams looking great. Yeah, like I say, don't expect either of them not to qualify. That's a bit of a double negative. I expect them both to qualify. That's what I wanted to say, because I don't really see much of Morocco and Iran, and that's a nice segue to Morocco versus Iran, which was the other game in Group B, which took place on Friday afternoon. Here are the stats. Possession. 68% Morocco, 32% Iran. Shots, 13 Morocco, 9 Iran. Shots on target, 3 Morocco, 2 Iran. On the 95th minute, a cross came in. It was headed into his own net by Aziz Boudevoulou-Gouchet-Avec Moises. I can't pronounce his name. Boudevoulou-Gouchet-Avec And Iran won the game 1-0. There was a lot of chances for both sides in this game and it's really a shame that Morocco aren't in Group A because they are a lot better than Saudi Arabia. A historic victory for Iran, first game they've won at the World Cup since 98 and leaves them at the top of Group B. Who would have thought it? Iran number one, there you go. Um, they got very lucky uh, to get that goal in the 95th minute um, but you know that's what you need, a bit of luck sometimes. I mean, I doubt they're going to do much else. They've got Spain and Portugal next. It's like, uh, probably not going to happen. But, you know, who knows? Maybe Iran can pull off a miracle. So we cover Group D, C and B now. Now on to Group A, which includes the hosts. And we've got to talk about the opening ceremony, how the World Cup started on Thursday afternoon. And it included Robbie Williams. It also included old Brazil Ronaldo, who came out in a suit and looked very smiley. So I'm glad he's happy. Robbie Williams had this kind of red suit on. He had a grey streak in his shirt. Some people were saying on Twitter he looked like Morrissey. I thought it was quite an interesting uh, comparison. And he sang three songs with an opera, a Russian opera singer called Ada Garifolina. I'm just going to botch everybody's name. Who's a Russian opera singer. And she was a lot better than Robbie Williams was in this. He sung Let Me Entertain You, Feel, and Angels. This is a man who has a song called Party Like a Russian. Didn't use it in Russia. Why? I guess I think, oh no, that, was, that might be a bit 
offensive to the Russians, potentially, you know? But you've got a song about Russia, and you're not having it at the World Cup. That's in Russia. It just seems bizarre. But I, I think it must have been one of those... I can, I can just picture in my head the meeting between Robbie Williams and sort of the Russian government and sort of the World Cup committee, and they were going like... And Robbie was going, oh, I could play Party Like a Russian. And he's going, and they're going, no, we just want your hits, Robbie. We just want your classic stuff. You know, obviously they had a, a copy of Life Through a Lens or something because uh, they only wanted stuff from 97 and then what the one song from beyond that. There was a bit of controversy as Robbie Williams put his middle finger up to the camera. And this was actually shown on, on some networks and Fox in America had to apologise uh, that a, a middle finger was broadcast. Uh, and apparently it might have even been illegal. So there you go, Robbie Williams is in hot water for doing his middle fingers. He needs to learn more appropriate sign language. There you go, that was my opinion of the opening ceremony. It's always a sort of fun, ridiculous thing to talk about. And immediately following that was Russia versus Saudi Arabia, the opening game of this competition. So let's look at the stats. The possession was 39% Russia, 61% Saudi Arabia. Shots... 14 Russia, 6 Saudi Arabia, shots on target, 7 Russia, and none for Saudi Arabia. On the 12th minute, Gazinsky, or the Russian Gaza, scored a header into the bottom left corner to make it 1-0 to Russia. On the 43rd minute, Sheryshev did two of the Saudi Arabian defenders and blasted the ball into the net with his left foot, and it was 2-0 to Russia. A cross by Golovin was headed by Zubia into the net to make it 3-0 to Russia. An absolute belter of a left-footed shot by Sheryshev goes into the top right corner and it was a great goal to make it 4-0 Russia. That was on the 91st minute. On the 94th minute, a free kick was taken by Golovin and it curled into the bottom right corner to make it 5-0 Russia and that's how it ends. What a great start for the host, a great result. 5-0, that does absolutely wonders for the goal difference. You know, if they can get a point for the next two games... Have a hell of, I think they're going to qualify, actually, because unless Egypt can whack six past uh, the Saudis, which they could, um, they're going to have trouble. Saudi Arabia, horrible. Like, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't be in the storm. They shouldn't, you know, that was like Sunday league stuff. That was, I, I said uh, on Twitter, like, it reminded me of my own defending from school because they were so bad. Like, I remember when I was at school, like, there was a game, I think we played, like, Victoria College Prep. It doesn't really matter, but... Um, there was a game I played at school, and I remember I was a defender. I didn't really like being a defender. I was more of a goalkeeper. I'm much better as a goalkeeper in football. And it was a really muddy day. I remember doing a slide tackle, missed by absolute mile, and they scored. And it was just, it just sort of reminded me of the Saudi Arabian defence. I yeah, I expect a thrashing in in the three games that they're going to play. Um, so it is going to be a case of how many Egypt can get past. Saudi Arabia because if they can't get more than five then they've got to beat Russia and that could be quite difficult there is a little bit of a I guess hint that there's going to be some sort of bias towards Russia by the officials uh, in the competition I don't know if we've really seen that I think you know it was a fair result really considering how bad Saudi Arabia were but there's always a possibility you know I mean a lot of people talk about 2002 with um, South Korea getting to the semi-finals and maybe got a bit favourable decisions for that, but I loved that one. I thought it was great for South Korea to do so well and sort of made that tournament really interesting. So 
We'll see what happens with Russia. They've got a great chance of qualifying now. <coughs> the other game in Group A was Uruguay versus Egypt. This took place on Friday morning. Stats for this one. Possession, 41% Egypt, 59% Uruguay. Shots, 8 to Egypt, 15 to Uruguay. Shots on target, 3 to Egypt and 5 to Uruguay. On the 89th minute, a free kick was crossed in by Sanchez, headed in by Jose Jimenez to make it 1-0 to Uruguay, which is how it ended. And in the match, was quite funny because uh, Jonathan Pierce, who was on commentary for the BBC, said that Uruguay had scored when they hit it into the net, into the side netting. And that was really funny. This wasn't the best performance by Uruguay, but a win nonetheless, which always matters. Uh, Suarez looked half asleep. Don't know what he was doing. Cavani looked their best player going forward. Uh, hit the bar a few times, had a few close chances. Probably should have scored, really. Egypt definitely missed Mo Salah and they've gambled on leaving him out of that match to hopefully bring him back for the last two and that will pay off. But that is a gamble, you know, like you should have the mentality of we've got to get something out of every game because if you get something out of every game in the World Cup group stages, you've got a good, I mean, you do need, you do need one win and two draws and then you're pretty much guaranteed to get through to the last 16. So if I'm Egypt, I'm thinking, God, I guess they were trying to aim for the draw and obviously backfired, but there you go. Let's have a look at the group standings. In Group A, Russia is at the top with a goal difference of five with three points. Uruguay second, they got a goal difference of one with three points. Egypt a third with minus one goal difference, no points. And Saudi Arabia dead bottom with minus five goal difference and no points. In Group B at the top is Iran with a goal difference of one and three points. Portugal second, goal difference of none and one point, and the same is for Spain, who inferred probably just for alphabetical order. Morocco are bottom of Group B, minus one goal difference and no points. In Group C, France topped the table, uh, a goal difference of one, three points, but they have scored two. Uh, Denmark a second, uh, again with three points and a goal difference of one. Australia third, a goal difference of minus one and they've got no points and Peru again at the bottom minus one goal difference and no points and in group D Croatia are at the top goal difference of two points three Argentina a second with a goal difference of none and points one the same for Iceland in third who've also got one point Nigeria at the bottom minus two goal difference and no points so let's talk about the upcoming fixtures in the next two days, Sunday the 17th of June, Father's Day, the day you might be listening to this. If not, then this is all relevant. You've got Costa Rica versus Serbia at 1pm, Germany versus Mexico at 4pm, and Brazil versus Switzerland at 7pm. And on Monday the 18th of June, it's Sweden versus South Korea at 1pm, Belgium versus Panama at 4pm. And the big one that we're all waiting for in these parts tunisia versus england monday evening 7 p.m the first game for england and we will join you after that first game to review those matches in particular so thank you for joining me today apologies i couldn't bring you a episode on friday that was because uh i was so busy at work that actually the only game i'd watched was about 20 minutes of the russia games so i thought I am completely misinformed and I have to catch up with all this. So I did uh, brought you an episode today. Like I said, we'll be recapping the Sunday-Monday games. 
in our next podcast. So we'll join you then. Thank you for listening and goodbye for me, Richard Carey. Remember to follow us on Twitter at 52 Years World Cup. We'll see you then. And now, the nations of the world, brought to you by Yakko Warner. United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, Republic, Dominican, Cuba, Caribbean, Greenland, El Salvador, too, Puerto Rico, Colombia, Venezuela, Honduras, Guyana, and still, Guatemala, Bolivia, then Argentina, and Ecuador, Chile, Brazil, Costa Rica, Belize, Nicaragua, Bermuda, Bahamas, Tobago, San Juan, Paraguay, Uruguay, Suriname, and French Guiana, Barbados, and Guam. Norway and Sweden and Iceland and Finland and Germany now one piece. Switzerland, Austria, Czechoslovakia, Italy, Turkey and Greece. Poland, Romania, Scotland, Albania, Ireland, Russia, Oman. Bulgaria, Saudi Arabia, Hungary, Cyprus, Iraq and Iran. There's Syria, Lebanon, Israel, Jordan, both Yemen, Kuwait and Bahrain. The Netherlands, Luxembourg, Belgium and Portugal, France, England, Denmark and Spain. India, Pakistan, Burma, Afghanistan, Thailand, Nepal, and Bhutan. Cambodia, Malaysia, then Bangladesh, Asia, and China, Korea, Japan. Mongolia, Laos, and Tibet, Indonesia, the Philippine Islands, Taiwan. Sri Lanka, New Guinea, Sumatra, New Zealand, and Borneo, and Vietnam. Tunisia, Morocco, Uganda, Angola, Zimbabwe, Djibouti, Botswana. Mozambique, Zambia, Swaziland, Gambia, Guinea, Algeria, Ghana. Burundi, Lesotho, and Malawi, Togo, the Spanish Sahara is gone. Niger, Nigeria, Chad, and Liberia, Egypt, and Nina, Gabon. Tanzania, Somalia, Kenya, and Mali, Sierra Leone, and Algeria. Dahomey, Namibia, Senegal, Libya, Cameroon, Congo, Zaire, Ethiopia, Guinea, Bissau, Madagascar, Rwanda, Mayor, and Cayman. Hong Kong, Abu Dhabi, Qatar, Yugoslavia. Crete, Mauritania, then Transylvania, Monaco, Liechtenstein, Malta, and Palestine, Fiji, Australia, Sudan.